When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to episode 490 of the five-year plan podcast. We so I didn't know whether we were doing one or not then. I that kind of held you left you left you hanging there. I am your host, Joe Walker, promising to do my very best to avoid the repeated use of the words quite and indeed, as much as I did on my previous episode in the hot seat. Although, if you are in need of a drinking game as I was last week in Ibiza, do go back to FYP pod 486. Take a shot every time I utter either of those words and have an ambulance on standby. Um, (laughs) Joining me for this episode are Emma Brack of the South London Press. Welcome back. Good, sir. How are you? Very well, thank you, Joe. How are you, mate? All good, all good, thank you. And uh, once again, alongside us, a man who I remember today in our primary school playground taught me the definition of the footballing position of the sweeper i don't know why i remembered that i mean not really i remember doing something in a game i think i just tackled someone and then ran a length for the pitch and you just started to do this broom motion and i was like what do you mean he goes you're uh, just great sweeper play i was like okay tell me more i don't know why i remember that i think i was like a football manager i just haven't thought about sweepers in football for so long but that Always brings you back to you. That that's that's Jack, it's Jack Pierce, everyone. By the way, thanks. The side there. Thanks, Joe. I mean, I, I don't know what, what Palacero will be talking about. Maybe Dave Bassett was he playing five at the back with a the deep line centre half? I, I can't really Could, yeah. think about it. Was he playing David Hopkin at the base of the? I don't know. He's doing something Ray, a bit mad. Ray Houghton, maybe. Ray Houghton, possibly. I don't know, but yeah, possibly. it's all Palace relevant. It's all Palace relevant, but yeah. yeah. Thanks, Joe. Joe. I'm just glad you made it back from your one man mission to Ibiza. So thanks for thanks for getting back in time. No, he's here, listener. He's he's here in person at least, physically. Just uh, yeah, but well, I couldn't I couldn't miss it. So thank you, um, and hopefully some more insight related like that from from yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, just, uh, any sweeper talk come to come to me. Yeah, yes, yeah, Now this season, FYP, as you may know already, is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sports venues are showing every televised Palace fixture over the course of the season, including, by the way. Next week's visit to Old Trafford for the Carabao Cup third round, which is a Sky fixture. So why not watch that game in style this coming Tuesday evening at your local Green King pub? 
There is also a new Green King Sport Instagram page, which will have fan content, competitions, and exclusive deals across the season. So drop them a follow. Tell them who sent you. It will do us a great help here at the Five Year Plan Podcast. Right. Another episode, deputizer for JD. And speaking of deputizing, I think we should start with this. Palace to Con, Aston Villa this weekend with Paddy McCarthy on the touchline because Roy Hodgson was taken ill prior to the game. Just a quick update on that. Um, Palace have confirmed today that he took training on the day of this recording. That's Tuesday. And he will be back in the dugout at Sellers this weekend against his old club, Fulham, which, given the kind of confusion and you know, what we did and didn't know on the weekend. It's great to hear that kind of positive news. So uh, pretty soon after, actually, I think we were kind of McCarthy confirmed after the game that it wasn't, you know, it was, you know, it was just a Saturday issue by the sound. It, of it. it sounded uh, precautionary more than anything, but um, you know, what happened, we'll talk about what happened on the pitch, but you know, Roy's, Roy's health and well-being is, uh, is paramount and, and probably the most important thing. So great news to hear that he's, He's well and uh, and and will be taking uh, taking the lead on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Now, as for the game itself, uh, Eben, you were there, and I'm going to quickly refer to a tweet of yours right on the sort of full time whistle. Um, the scoreline flatters the hosts, but Palace had their chances to put the game away at one new up. Squad squad is dangerously light in the wide areas for this division. Now, why do I feel like that's going to be a continual problem? for another month or so is that is that the, the kind of senses of the same things happening again and again at the moment uh unfortunately i think so yeah and i think with the news that we we all saw this morning about michael elise it's something that we're going to live to regret uh not bringing in another wide man over this transfer window that's just gone um if you look at the game overall aston villa have some quality quality players within their ranks i mean zaniolo was causing joel ward all sorts of problems Matty Cash was almost playing as a as another striker at times. It was um, they were really really good in that first half, but when we take the lead, they don't look like that. They're, they're sort of running out of ideas maybe, and we're getting these chances to put the game to bed. It's it's quite frustrating to see that we walk away with a with a three one defeat. I think overall with the performance, with everything that happened prior to the game with Roy Paddy taking charge and. You know, the, the squad is dangerously light in, in those positions. If you look at someone like Jezra and Raksaki, there's he shouldn't be in our squad this season and he should be out testing himself in the Championship, seeing what he can do after an excellent first season in men's football with Charlton. Um, it, it's it's frustrating to look at the squad and to see where it is today because overall with, with Wilf going, I feel like we feel like more of a team in our play. You know, the strikers are looking more more happy, more confident. I see Odson Edward trying back heels there for yes I've never seen him do that before it was it was really free free flowing stuff at times and we all know we're going to have that defensive structure under Roy um and then when you look at the options we've got off the bench and we're winning a game we've got a chance to kill it off against the side who are very good and competing in Europe we missed the chance and ultimately left to rue those those missed chances on Saturday yeah Jack this is not you know, this is not the Villa of two, three years ago. They are the squad is very impressive, and I think if we were going to win the game on Saturday, it was probably going to be in the manner that we kind of held it together for eighty-five minutes plus. But just you know, we already didn't have Lerma, we didn't have Mark Gahey, we and then some existing kind of absentees, including Elise. When you also then have Jordan Ayew come off injured too, it's just, there's only so much you can really stretch 
the existing personnel before there's going to be like late goals happening and stuff like that. Where we are on the table is actually not really reflective of how stretched this current squad is because I think we've actually, most of our results have been par for kind of where we expect things to be. But you think a full Palace side to choose from probably could probably close that game out having got in front. Yeah, you think Jefferson Lerma and Mark Gay in particular, not that Will Hughes and, and Chris Richards, who I know we'll talk about more in a, in a bit, but they didn't do anything to disgrace themselves. But in losing Gay and Lerma, you're losing two key cogs to that team that looks so efficient and, and such a, a well-drilled um kind of machine so far this season. So it's a shame to lose both of them um, at the same time. If you're going to lose one, it's kind of unfortunate to lose two, both from international duties. Well, it's pretty frustrating, really. But as you say, if we'd, if we'd held on and, and taken three points that game, it would have been one hell of a result, given the resources that Villa have at their disposal. You just look at the players they brought on in the bench, Leon Bailey, 35 million, Yuri Tillemans, 100,000 plus on the free transfer, and, and John Duran, who... So as he said in the pod extra, that was a player that we were looking at but couldn't stump up the cash that the Villa paid. Um, I can't remember which MLS side they signed him from, but clearly quite the talent. And, um, you know, they're, they're bringing on players like that. And we pretty much had one attacking, one viable attacking option to bring on from the bench. And we had to do it after 25 minutes due to an injury. And Jean-Philippe Mateta came on and contributed to, to the goal. And, um, you know, it's a, a goal that, I think, given the first half, I don't think many Palace fans saw coming. So to be one up was great. And then to still be one up with with 10 to go was fantastic. And then it all just kind of goes wrong. Um, and yeah, the, the less we talk about the last 15 minutes of, of play at Villa Park, probably the better. But the options from the bench look worse with the news about Michael Luce that, that Ed has, has just kind of touched on. And, uh, you know, clearly the club were hopeful that he was going to be back sooner rather than later. They released footage of him probably training. I, I think he also had a spell in the States, hot weather training as well. So anticipation was that he could be back for, for Fulham um, or one of the United games or at the at the very least the Forest game before the international break. And, and now it looks as though there's no chance of him being back before, I think it's Newcastle, our first fixture when we get back from the next round of international fixtures. So, you know, losing a player of that quality is really difficult, but that's just one player. And, you know, he wouldn't make all the difference. He would make one hell of a difference, but he wouldn't make all the difference. So, to be light as we were, and as I said, it you know, demonstrates with the, the point about Jezbrak Saki, he's being brought on as a last resort when you've gone 2 1 down. And, you know, I don't really know what the hope is for him to come on and, and try and grab anything. Um, it, so when, when you lose control of a game that you did have control of, and a manager, whoever that manager be, Paddy, be this uh, on this occasion, looks at the bench, and I think the three of us and every other Palace fan knows that it's not the. Uh, the, the bountiful options that we would hope our manager would have at their disposal. From what I understand, I think the Jordan Ayew knock is more of an impact injury and hopefully he's in the running for this weekend. If that wasn't the case, what would the, what would the alternative to Raksaki starting be, really? Armada. Um, yeah. Find a JP from the start and, and then you're probably moving... Uh, Edwards away, and you, you know he's in the suddenly moving a lot of things around again. Yeah, and to it's... move things around to to not really look much better than you would do if he started Jez um, as, as the alternative there. So we'll see. I mean, as you say, it was rumored to be a dead leg, and don't know if after after the match Ed, if they were kind of talking openly whether that's news that's broken in the last few days. But the um, the suggestion was it's a dead leg, so it's more of a game ender rather than anything more. And the hope is that I think he'll be back for Fulham on Saturday. 
Yeah, Paddy Paddy said after the game that it was a dead leg, so I guess they're hopeful that he's going to be going to be available. He might miss a few days of training, but he probably deserves it after the effort he puts in week in week out for us. So, yeah, fingers crossed it's nothing too serious because then you're looking at if they don't trust Jez to start a Premier League game, you're looking at Malcolm Abue who has been injured. Uh, he's starting tonight for, for the under twenty ones at Wickham. It's the options are terrible, really. It's not they're not terrible players. They're obviously fantastic individuals who are going to have great careers. If you want to push into the top half of the Premier League, you know, Fulham are coming to us on Saturday. They've got Adama Traore to come off the bench. They've got Carlos Vinicius. Don't tell Selzy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> he's right. It's it's, it's just, it's, it's it's criminal, the options that, that this football club has to bring off the bench. It's, it's worrying because I do think we have a very good core. I think probably the best core we've had mm-hmm. in terms of our Premier League history since we got back promoted. So it's... Uh, it feels like a waste. It's a missed opportunity with what we've got. Um, a word for some of the subs that did come on, though, I feel, in, or certainly in terms of the depth. So Will Hughes had to play in Lerma's absence, and by all accounts, most people think did pretty well putting himself about. Mateta coming on 20 minutes, 25 minutes in, reigniting this sort of new surprising Edward relationship and goal I'm not quite goal frenzy between them, but it's it, by their standards, it absolutely is. Um, it's 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 not that we don't have the players; it's just that we have really they like the players don't let us down. They are just that we don't have enough of them. Essentially, is the 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 wider issue here, which is the big kind of head head bang against the wall because it's nothing that even the most optimistic of us weren't saying up three weeks ago. Or two weeks ago, do you know what I mean? That that bit is always the hardest to take with yeah. the, the way the games like this plays out. When your squad's as light as it is, and, and you know, after you beat Wolves and you have the relatively positive first four games that we did before the international break, you think, okay, well, we can maybe ride it out. But you are entirely dependent on good fortune, and um, you know, as great as it's to see Mark Gay get minutes for England, and I'm delighted for him. Um, he's clearly picked something up on on his endeavours there, and. Um, well, the, when he did come out for the second half against Scotland, you're thinking, fantastic, I'm pleased for him, but you know, it's a massive impact for us. And, and Jefferson Lerma, even if he didn't pick up the injury, he's travelling halfway around the world for um, for two games and I don't think would have been back for practice until the day before anyway. So that's not just Palace, that's the Premier League now, it's the global kind of division and players come back at very late notice to play for their clubs. But when you are as short in terms of options as we are, those instances have massive impacts on your Saturday lineup, and and we didn't even have the fortune of playing on the Sunday um, or the Monday as Burnley and Forest had last night. You are playing at three o'clock on the Saturday, and yeah, I don't want to sound like Jurgen Klopp, but it's not it's not ideal when you've got players coming back as late as that, particularly when they come back banged up. Yeah, what what surprised me about the Mark Gay news, particularly the kind of debrief after the Scotland game, was that there was an inference by Southgate that this was a, a you know an injury injury he was playing through and actually mm. to to then give him two England starts through that injury, being aware of that. I was quite surprised by, I was happy for Mark, but here's the inevitable outcome of testing a player that was playing with an injury. And now we're the ones that are suffering for that. It's just uh, very um, bemusing as were, as w- <laughs> you said, we can't list the lesser we mentioned about the last 10 minutes or so. I think we're going to have to. And, um, I'm not a, I'm not as big on the ref watch as you are, Jack Pierce. But I am also the words Darren England have rang in my ears 
from conversations past with yourself. Uh, we got we're going into listener questions later. There are a lot that mention him, and I think were it not for a couple of other games and stuff, I felt like this it's, it kind of was one of the talking points of the the weekend on a refereeing point of view. Um, Paddy McCarthy's case for the the penalty that was given was if it's looked at for as long as that, surely there's an awareness that this probably needs to be overturned. At what point? How long is it to take to get to the right decision? I guess that's it's quite abstract question, really. But well, firstly, do you think it was the right decision for both the, between a pair of you? I mean, I'll I'll, do, I'll, I'll happily defer to to Edmund in a moment because he was there, and I think it'd be interesting to get his insight from kind of being in the ground and the reason as to how long it took. But I read Paddy's quote about that, and actually, it read the other way. If it takes that long, and the on-field decision was a penalty, then I would say, for the purposes of VAR, if it's taken that long to review it, then the referee needs to probably stick with his. Right. decision if he's having to kind of see how long that fear and obvious decision is taken to appear look I listen to the game on the radio um, and I have obviously seen it back many many times but I from the way it was described I thought it was more of a clangor than it actually proved to be I I, I could see why that was given as a penalty um, I guess my uh, lack of certainty is as, as to what VAR's involvement with either correcting it or leaving it alone should and needs to be. That's where I'm completely lost, to be honest. And not just with this instance, you know, there's other instances throughout the weekend where I'm not quite sure when VAR should intervene, when they shouldn't intervene. I saw the Brentford penalty concession against Newcastle. I don't understand. I'm not quite sure how that was still a penalty. Hmm. The Sander Berg handball last night, funnily enough, Darren England and Robert Jones, the same referees, just kind of the other way around. Darren England decides to get involved in that and, and Robert Jones goes with the VAR. Um, uh, kind of interception but I, I'll hand over to, to everyone and maybe we can then have a, a quick chat about Darren England but I have to say as soon as I saw Darren England's name next to our game last week my heart did sink I, I do think the guy's record against us even if it's unintentional I'm sure it is I'm not suggesting there's anything <laughs> kind of dodgy about it it's always it's just, always an argument of incompetence over conspiracy is it but there's yeah. just too many games now where he's just had absolute shockers with us and I yeah. think Palace fans are now of the opinion that you know, even if he doesn't intend to, he's going to have a nightmare with us. I mean, there's so many games going back to Vieira's first season. I remember the Leeds nil-nil on a Monday night where Dan James went into Joel Ward knee-high and kind of a yellow card was issued. And it's just... Ward also got booked for, 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 for having words with Dan yeah. James. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, let's talk about the penalty incident. Maybe then we'll, we'll go back to Darren England. I know we've got lots of questions <laughs> about him too. But Edwin, your, your thoughts actually there in the press box and, and how you saw it. Well, from from watching it from the eye, first first time seeing it, it looked like a clear penalty to me. He's he's come through an awkward angle, taken the player, then got the ball, and then I see it on the replay, and I think Ollie Watkins has touched the ball first, and then Richards has clawed his foot around, touched it away, and then taken the man. I thought he's going to go look at this, and he's going to overturn it. He looks at it, he looks at it again, he looks at it from a different angle, another one, and another one. And I thought, oh, he's, he's looked at it for so long, he's obviously going to overturn it. He just wants to double-check in every sort of position just to make sure, because if VAR, I can't remember who the VAR ref off the top of my head so was. Rob, but he, it was Rob, if, Rob Jones. If Rob Jones isn't confident that that is a clear penalty, then he needs to overturn the decision. Um, and then he points to the spot, and Joel Ward was athletic at the decision, especially the fact that when Douglas Louise actually took the penalty, 
there's an encroachment in the penalty area, so it should have been retaken uh, in that in that instance. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of bashing VAR or referee because I don't really like talking about external uh, external factors that you can't control. But for me, that's uh, that's not a penalty, and it was a clear and obvious error from from Darren England to give it on Saturday because it's cost Palace a point. I think the the standard of, of officiating in this country overall is it's just getting worse and worse every week. I, I cover AFC Wimbledon as well. And on the weekend, they didn't even have the uh, fourth official, didn't even put up the boards to say how many added minutes there was. I think they played <laughs> over 15 minutes. It's just, it's ludicrous what's happening in this country because it's costing teams you know, points and ultimately it's going to end up costing them money, especially in the lower leagues. It's not as crucial in the Premier League, but yeah, it was a, a ridiculous decision on Saturday. Well, it is if you end up in the bottom three positions and, and Palace weren't the only yeah. club with gripes on. So Paul Heckingbottom went absolutely you know, ballistic about, uh, I think Peter Banks was looking after Spurs, Shepherds United. And, you know, then you get the pundit saying, oh, we love having 100 minutes. And, you know, that's another conversation about the kind yeah. of use of, of added on time. But your point there, Evan, about, um, you know, Joel Ward being as liberal as he was, I think after that length of time when a referee's looked at the the monitor, to then not even explain the rationale as to maintaining the decision to the the kind of the uh, the offending team's captain. That that's where I have my issue with Darren England. I think his management of football matches and his management of players stinks. I, I think that's where he does lose control because he can't maintain the relationship between players. And I just feel like we see it every time. I was at Spurs away in May and I felt his management of the game there really impacted the quality of the match. And I think this particular decision, this probably doesn't rank as one of his worst decisions for me in terms of Palace matches and just generally. I think for me, it was borderline. And, and I don't know, if, if the VAR hadn't intervened, we probably wouldn't be talking about it. It's this kind of VAR issue. But for me, it's how Darren England really manages the situation with the players. And then you talk about the encroachment at the penalty. And yeah, that looked evident. And again, Joel Ward straight away pointing out, it wasn't as, as if that's kind of after the fact players were issuing that. But again, I've kind of lost track of what the appropriate process is for, for VAR intervening in that moment. I think the goal they analyse the goalkeeper and if they don't deem the player um, encroaching into the penalty area to be impacting the player's vi- or the goalkeeper's vision, then it's not deemed vulnerable. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know how any player moving into the penalty area couldn't be deemed a distraction for a goalkeeper, but hey, I, I don't know. It's, it's almost as if the penalty has to be missed and that player then has to be tipping in the rebound from six yards out before yeah. they go, no, you shouldn't have done, you you came in too early. So yeah. it's like an idea of, I don't want any grief. It's gone in. It doesn't matter. And I've, you know, all this time that's been added on, I, oh, let's, let me not do that. And well, the parking's yeah. going to go in a minute. I've got, and don't worry, the whole, <laughs> the whole end's going crazy for it. So don't worry. Everyone's having a good time. Um, yeah. So yeah. Just, you know, from what What's, I saw, go on, go on Joe. No, you go, mate. You go. Generally, from what I saw, the performance and 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 how you know people that were there reflected on it, it's I, it's annoying that this almost this incident here has come to define the game because I think generally those players that were out on the pitch didn't let themselves down too much, but uh, there is no, there's nothing like a controversial referee decision to to chew into yeah, for for yeah. the following week and to and, the and next. I, I, you know I, I I guess that as soon as I saw Darren England's name I you know my heart sank but you know listening to the game on Saturday I'd, I'd actually forgotten he was refereeing it until that decision so he's not dictating the whole game and as you know the far better qualified Don Fifield um, compared to me pointed out in the in the post match 
you've got to ask questions about how a ball's threaded with, with minutes left on the clock, how a ball is yeah. threaded into the centre forward as prolific as Ollie Watkins from you know 25 yards out. It, it's something that we shouldn't be allowing to happen. The ball should never be where it gets to. And then you can start talking about Chris Richards' tackling technique, as Edmund kind of alludes to, that he's probably gone in with the wrong foot and he's gambling. He probably does win the ball. That, that, that probably is a fair point. He does win the ball and touches the ball, but he's jeopardising himself by going in for a tackle when he shouldn't really have to be doing that. The ball should never be there. Um, and two, he's, he would probably choose in another instance to go with the other foot um, and, and maybe try and marshal Watkins out. But, you know, Watkins is a clever striker as well. You know, he he knows what he's trying to do there. It, he's trying to, you know, move the defender into a space that makes the defender make a decision like Richards did and you know, give the referee a decision to make. But, yeah, we've got so many questions about Darren England. We'll, we'll we'll try and filter through some of them, I'm sure, Joe. But I don't really know. I don't. I don't know what more there is to say about Darren. I think right. Palace fans uh, have pretty much made their opinion of Darren England. And I don't know what he would have to do to kind of fix his reputation with Palace fans. I think it's probably probably it's beyond repair. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's beyond repair. Yeah. Second, yeah, ultimately, the, if we if we take those chances that we've had earlier in the second half, when we're one up and yeah. they look like they're running out of ideas, and we're getting the break and I was watching Everett Chiesa on Saturday and I was thinking this reminds me of watching Wilfred Zaha where he's got all this time in the world and he's on the ball and he's got he's got the opportunity to do something and there's just no one up there with him or he just can't find the pass to, to finish it off um, and ultimately if Palace take one of those two chances that were presented to them on Saturday we're not talking about this this VAR decision costing us points in the Premier League Can we quickly talk about Ebbs because I thought it was quite interesting um, listening to the game and he, he seemed to get grief from uh, not grief, but just the old comment that he maybe wasn't influencing the game as much as he was. And um, you know, after after the game and after the result, there's there's comments on social media about he needs to be impacting games a bit more. But from those that were there, it sounds as though the footage I've seen as well, I've watched most of the game back, it, it sounds as though uh, or looks as though he was impacting the game in ways that we would hope him to. Eben, what was it like, you know, live? Is he he obviously has that chance where he wants to put it over Martinez's head, but that aside, he still seems to be our driving force, and he almost seems to be suffering from the you know, the classic kind of wolf conundrum of he's our only option. Yeah, one hundred percent. I actually thought he was better out on the left uh, on Saturday. Once once he got moved out there in the second half, it looked like it looked like we were, we were having a real go with him. He was cutting inside and really dangerous with everything that he wanted to do. Some incisive passes. Um, I think it was he completed seven of his 13 dribbles. I mean, he was the, the main one causing Aston Villa all the problems. It was just in the first half, we were lacking the killer pass, the killer finish, the killer shot. And in the second half, he just couldn't quite get his angles right on the two opportunities that present, presented to him. But I, I don't really understand why people were criticising him because he was probably our best player on the day. Um, well, along with Chet Decoro and Will Hughes in, in terms of what they brought to the team. But as creative spark as a creative outlet he was he was our only real option in 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 that way and i feel for him because he i think he's clearly a better player since the england call up he looks like he's taking the burden on his shoulders of our attacking drive and he looks like he's relishing it especially without michael elise but just he hasn't quite got someone else just to share the burden every now and then when he needs it and ultimately it's gonna it's gonna cost us and there's just so many things throughout this squad where you just look at it and think that's perfect that's perfect but just that one, two final pieces are just missing. And that's, I think that's where all the frustration is, is stemming from at the moment. Right. Right. It is almost time for part two. Let's just leave that there post Villa. Could, 
generally, although you know the, the the kind of energy over the weekend, I think most Palace fans are kind of like just write that off and how it happened and just press on to the next game because like you said there's so many positives in that performance. Check the core. I've seen check the core. Mm. compilations online by non-Palace fans. I was thinking, okay, like, we are... It's, there's so many things here to get excited about. It's just, it's just almost there. But, you know... Another goal for Odson. Another goal for Odson, Edward. Second in the Premier League currently in the in the chart behind the, the machine. And then... He, d- he doesn't count. He's technically top of the list because early on... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, if we'd have come away from... I said, before, I said before the game, if we'd have come out of Villa Park with a point, I'd be, that would have been enough for me to get carried away about where we are. And although the kind of same issues have revealed themselves, I don't, we didn't, yeah, we haven't like gone up there and been disgraced by us, like our own performance. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Villa are, I'm just going to check this, but I'm pretty sure I checked before the weekend. They are favourites to win the conference um, league, right? The conference league. Yeah. They're favourites to win a European trophy this year. Like they've, they've bought serious players in the summer and, and actually, you know, when, when JP takes Pau Torres, who costs North for £50 million, to the cleaners for the goal, you're thinking, this is quality. This is, you know, JP really stepping to the mark right now. But it's the options off the bench, which is where we started. So we've almost come back full circle here. That's what changed the game. And, you know, Leon Bailey capping the game off with the third goal with a tap-in. That guy costs £35 million. That's yeah. what we're dealing with in this league. Um, so a point would have been incredible before the game. But obviously look back at the game where... One up with ten to. I mean, I've lost track. It was was it ten to go on the clock? Or was it ten minutes of play left? I've kind of lost track of where we were. Did they close in the eighty seventh minute? They got there first. There was was it nine minutes of added time? I think it was. So I think by the ninety fifth, that's when they went three one off. It was just boom, 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 quick succession. I mean, Duran's goal was was really special. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just just one of those things. Is um, you write it off because of the adversity Palace had to deal with before with the losing the players and then Roy not, not being there and you just hope that they can put something together that's good enough to, to beat Fulham on Saturday. Yeah. We have another year of being subdued to Dwight Gale's last minute winner looped every <laughs> when we have to go next year because we have got there's nothing else to cheer about except other than, the cup, other than the Cup semi-final which wasn't even against Villa. The <laughs> Villa Park is has not in a long, long time been a, been a place of any joy for Palace. Not happy hunting ground. No. Right, let's wrap up part one there, and uh, I'll catch you on the flip side for listener questions. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast. We. Sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Now, as kind of hinted at earlier, had a lot of questions slash statements slash vents about Darren England, most of which can't be said here. And I think actually we've probably covered enough about him and his influence on the result anyway, particularly towards the back end of the Villa game. So I'm going to go elsewhere. Uh, Liam asked, is it time Nathaniel Klein had a go at right back? We've also had something similar from KW13 about Richards potentially going on over to either side if we need them at, at full back. Now, this, I guess, is in response to another Joel Ward performance in recent weeks that has had a couple of mistakes, notable mistakes, 
there was a kind of sloppy back pass in the first half that could have really been punished. Um, at the risk of not getting uh, the shoulders up too much of our resident Joel Ward champion. How they're, how, they're how down. They're, they're down. I'm I'm all right. I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I am surprised, you know, we're not, it wasn't that long ago that Nathaniel Klein was the first choice over Ward and then hasn't really had a look in since probably the day Roy walked back in. Um, what would he have to do to get in at this point? We've obviously got, Ward's got the, the captain's armband as well. I imagine that holds quite a bit of extra kind of power in his, well, staying power in the, in the first 11. Uh, me pick him up yeah yeah that's, that's, yeah, yeah I, I just um i think it probably does add a bit more armory to towards position in the team but i, I don't know I, I i think maybe if if the mistake that he makes in the first half leads to a goal i think probably almost certain that the, the cries and the calls for nathaniel Klein to come in would be even stronger um you dare say we'll see Kleine start at old trafford in the league cup next week and that's his chance to kind of step in and, and show what he can do we all know that he's capable, competent fullback in this division. That there's no concerns about that. But I, I, I don't know. I, I just wonder whether it's maybe a, a case of the absence making the heart grow fonder for Klein. I, I haven't seen too much from Klein that makes me think he's get, he's the answer. The answer to the right back issue is buying a brand new right back. We yeah. all know that. Um I you know we've seen Chris Richards at fullback in in glimpses and he doesn't look particularly comfortable there either. And I think as he's gone on the record saying, you know, he he much prefers playing as part of a back three as a centre-half or part of a middle two as, as two centre-half. So he could be given a go. He's, you know, he's got the physical attributes to to do a job there, but how effective he would be going forward, I, I don't know. But I can't see Wardy being dropped, to be honest. I, I just can't see it. He's captain. Roy loves him, loved him in his first spell. Um, and I think when the squad is as thin as it is at the moment, I would think dropping your captain would probably be... Um, a variable you don't need to add into the mix unless it has absolutely required. And, and I would deem it being absolutely re- required only if his mistakes are being punished, which I know sounds daft because, you know, they very much could have been punished on, on Saturday. It was a good save by Sam Johnston. Um, but I, I I just can't see it. And I, I think Klein will have his chance against United in the League Cup next when, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, Tuesday. Um, but I think Wardy's the, the right back until we buy another right back, to be honest, or injury gets him out of the team. Yeah, Ed. How Edward, How much can we put to Jordan Ayew's injury being any influence on maybe Ward's performance, or certainly people's perspective of Ward's performance? There's this general kind of feeling that Ayew's part of Ayew's certainly last season, and and when it was Ayew v Elise to start there under Vieira, a lot of the chat was about well, you Elise's not convincing enough protecting Joel Ward, and you need to play Ayew there. Is is that is that is it something like that f- cropping back up again, or is it is it just overthinking? Palace fans trying to find a solution because, as Jack hinted, this is just the this is just what we've got. These are the cards we've been dealt. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely helps them out defensively. Um, I don't think there's any question about that. But in terms of Saturday, I was in direct line with with Joel Ward in the first half up against Saniolo, and Saniolo absolutely tore him apart. Really for that. That first half, it was um, it was quite impressive because I'd never seen him before live. He obviously went to Galatasaray, and I was uh, yeah, I was quite impressed with what he did. Um, in terms of why I think Joel Ward continues to get a pick and why I don't think he'll drop out of this team anytime soon was when Kleine did start the game against Plymouth. 
mm-hmm. finally got done at the back post with their first goal. Uh, Joel Ward offers Joel Ward's heading in, at the back post is, is is vital to this to this team, and that's why I can't see him dropping out of the side. Um, especially when you've got Tariq Mitchell on the other flank, who may not naturally be the best at at defending his his back post in terms of when teams do target him. So you can't have that vulnerability on both sides, and it's just going to end up. Uh, leaving leaving Palace quite light in that area as well. Um, as Jack mentioned, the solution is obviously to to buy a new right back, and it's it's no fault of Wardy's for his own that you know, was it twelve is it eleven years eleven years now on that he's still our our first choice right back in this squad. He's been a tremendous servant, um, our, our pound for pound best buy of the of the Steve Parish era. Um, just sometimes he he may not drop that 7 out of 10 that he usually does and I think that's just what we're going to have to live with and hope that those around them, around him uh, support him enough during the game to, to see it through. I think uh, Dom mentioned the pod extra as well about um, Jurgen Anderson. Probably had his, I mean, he's been very, very good so far this season. So when he drops off it slightly, you're going to notice it because his standards have been so high so far this season. But he looked like he missed, my, particularly for the first 15, 20 minutes, I thought he missed his his mate at the, the and uh, centre-back partner. And actually, I thought Chris Richards looked our most kind of composed defender for the first um, half an hour and the bits that I've seen back and on the coverage. And, you know, we probably should say, you know, Chris Richards obviously contributed to uh, the, the much-discussed penalty decision, but I thought he had a pretty good game. I, I, you know, I think, you know, the players that did come in, Will Hughes and, and Chris Richards, didn't do themselves any harms in terms of future selection. And, you know, the, the question about Chris Richards getting a chance elsewhere is probably testament to the fact that every time Chris Richards has come in, he looks very decent. So people are probably getting to the point where we just want to see him a bit more. Um, but the problem for him is he's behind two international centre-halves and that's going to be very difficult for, for him to get a chance in, in coming into the Palace eleven. Well, so that, that felt like one of the first real statements of intent where Richards is starting as the, as the immediate cover. I think since Roy's come back, James Tompkins has often been the person that's been drafted in and uh, on at least one occasion, but Tompkins was again that we had another injury. That was one of the probably one of the most actually miserable Edmund you'd have been in that that pre-match yeah. press conference, which was oh by the way um, we won't see you know, Mark's not going to play, Lerner's not going to play, Jay Tompkins is also uh, not going to play. A little sprinkling of hope about France, which we'll which we'll get to <laughs> into a sec. In fact, let's do that now. The next question, um, Julia Toft uh, asks. Hey, Julia. Hey Julia, worried about worried all the excitement around signing France won't come to much this season. Am I being cut half empty now? I think that's similar sentiment shown as as Kevin Day did on here to uh, much <laughs> much react much in, enjoyable reactions uh, elsewhere. Um, I the next Max Meyer that I, that is going to stick with me. That is that was quality. Yeah. It's the kind of bar that I'm happy for one to be laid out for a player because it's. The, the level to overcome that and exceed that is so low that I, I I hope that, you know, I don't want this big millstone on on France's back for such a young player in a new country. Um, and I, first, I'll give my opinion on this mm. around France. I, I think the idea with that he'd be eased in slowly. I think the way things are at the moment, with Elise's injury being extended slightly and let's say Jeff Schlupp wide left, not being when he has been asked to play there, not been super convincing. Um, you know, I think you might see him 
come in straight away. That doesn't mean he'll be ready. I I think he's going to just be in as a necessity if, you know, in this kind of similar position that Raksaki is maybe a little bit ahead of him. And I, I think the excitement generally has waned from the fan base. I think there is a general acceptance that, you know, this is all going to be happening a little bit earlier than planned for him. I do think you're going to get a bit of grace though. And I don't think, I don't think you're being cup half empty, Julia, on this. I, I just feel like, I just I don't expect too much, but then it just allows the, just give him room to kind of develop and make a difference, which at the moment, as we were kind of touching on earlier, players aren't letting us down necessarily. We just need enough bodies. And if we can get 10, 15 minutes of him here and there, and then that slowly becomes more across the season. That's gonna right now. That's gonna do us a massive favour, no? What do you think? Well, Jeff? he's he's probably odds on to start against United in the League Cup for sure. I, I I don't think we'll see him start against Fulham. I think it's um, and I suggested he'll be back training with the first team by the end of this week, and Schroeder will get a kind of heads up from the press conference whether that's Thursday or Friday uh, this week before the Fulham game to see where he's at. But I think we might see Frantz make his debut this Saturday, and it's much needed, as you say. Um, so we'll see where we are with that. But then. League Cup presents a wonderful opportunity for him to start a game and, and we'll get probably get a, a clear indication as to where he's at with, with his fitness and and see the talent that clearly is there. You know, you have to trust that Palace have not put this research and this level of investment into a player they don't have much hope for. So I'm hopeful we will see a proper talent. I, I just think we kind of duly suggest the injury means that we haven't been able to hit the ground running with our optimism about this player. Um and I do liken it to Michael Elise when he first signed. Uh, there is that kind of sense of, well, I'm quite excited to see him, but I just want to see him a bit. And, and that's kind of where we are with him. And um, I, I think he will add a much needed option. I think you're right. He probably will go ahead of, well, he certainly will go ahead of Jez in terms of being that go-to option from the bench. And I dare say possibly even ahead of Ahamada as an option for the front three too. So his kind of return to fitness, and we hope that it is, you know, in line for for this Saturday against Fulham, um, I'm excited. I, I've I've seen and heard nothing that makes me think um, that he's not going to impress. And until he doesn't, I'm happy to kind of be of that opinion. To be honest, yeah. One of the other sort of intriguing things about this signing, Edmund, is that you know whatever the Palace hierarchy might deem Francis to be. Roy might see things very differently. And now some people have read that to be a kind of Roy won't play him, you know, doesn't play youngsters. Blah, blah, blah. But actually, because I think if there's a player that needs cover at the moment, um, it's Ed's, Ed's eh? And I, I, for what we've been told, a lot of the, the squad situation has kind of laid out the need for France in a wide position. But for what I understand, he can play across the kind of pitch. So, it may be a case that uh, you, 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 we might see him in kind of more central positions as well. Um, particularly if, you know, not that Ebbs is going to be rested at all, but I don't, we don't have a, a natural kind of replacement for him, do we? We don't know. I, I do think Roy sees Ahamada as a more central midfielder. I did ask him in a press conference, I think it was after the Arsenal game, where do you see his best position being? And it was an attacking midfielder sort of role. That I think he's the like for like in terms of the Eze replacement. I think Francia will be the, the left winger in the, the squad and then eventually evolve into potentially even our centre forward. Um, a bit like Brian in, in, in Buemo at, uh, at Brentford, maybe in terms of his stature. But for people who don't think that Roy's going to play this kid, if he comes into training and 
he's absolutely tearing Joel Ward apart and Tyreek Mitchell and, and putting it in the top corner. There's not there's not a chance in the world for isn't going to start him. He um, the club think very highly of him. Dougie Friedman's gone to Brazil to personally scout him. I think on a few occasions, this was the one that they wanted and they've got him. Uh, he obviously didn't particularly really set the world alight in Brazil. He's not like Vinicius Junior or, or, or someone like that. He's he's someone that they've been cautious with. But when I was listening to Tim Vickery talk about him, it was they knew he was good, so they probably didn't want to put him in. And then him go straight away sort of thing. They wanted to ease him into it. And uh, it will be like a Michael Elise season. We'll see him here, there. But then when he does make that impact, it will be it will be frightening and it will be it will be worth the wait, hopefully, because the club think very highly of him. And uh let's hope we see him holding the ballon d'or outside Sainsbury's in a few years' time. <laughs> I'll build a statue uh, myself. There. We've got a couple of years then, Joe, to see whether it's Edmund or Kevin who had it right about. Matthias Franzer. I think we've got we've got two ends of the spectrum now. I think we'll uh, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll declare a winner in the next eighteen months or so. We'd be happy with something in the middle, right? Yeah, to be thank honest. you. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, another question, uh, Jacks to CPFC. I guess we'll probably elaborate on this more later on. But does the Eddie and JP link up continue? I, I guess. You've got whether it's a managerial decision based on how they've been playing together, or one based on availability at the moment. Um, Edmund, would you? How do you think that? How well? Just your general assessment, actually, of the pair of them together in the recent weeks. Yeah, I've been I've been immensely impressed. Um, I'm, they both look like completely different players. I, I know that they touched on it on the post match pod, but the confidence with both of them is uh, is excellent. I obviously reported that. John Philippe, but we turned down bids from, from RB Leipzig, one loan, one one seven million pound bid from RB Leipzig for Jean Philippe Mateta, and uh, he's looked at different players since then. So much so, the club are probably going to offer him a new contract. Um, I think talks might be starting on that in the not too distant future. So, and he's earned it in his recent involvements. He's he's looked excellent. I mean, he's not the most orthodox of players. He sometimes look at him and think, I've no idea how you've done that whatsoever, but. In terms of the modern day market, if Palace are getting seven million pounds for for him, I don't think you can go out and necessarily buy a replacement that's got to offer what he offers. I'll be really interested to see how he leads the line against Manchester United in the in the League Cup next Tuesday. I think that will be his chance to show that this isn't just the I'm 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 just the impact player that you think I am. I should be starting games for you because when he started the Plymouth game, he we had to bring on the reinforcements to, to take take care of them. Obviously, it wasn't a great team performance until then, but he wasn't particularly convincing leading the line. I think Tuesday night's a really big night for him because at the moment, I can't see Roy dropping Edward whatsoever. I, th- I thought it was really interesting, actually, that after the Wolves game, Roy said that he spoke to Brendan Rodgers about, about Austin Edwards. Now, I asked him about it in the press conference last Friday. And he sort of battered it down, saying, oh, "I was just a general chat with Brendan Rodgers. It, it wasn't, it wasn't about Odson Edward at all." But you know, Roy, Roy, with his experience, probably has no qualms whatsoever in calling another manager and saying, "How do I get the best out of this player?" Because the confidence surging through Odson Edward when he has the ball at the moment is uh, is really exciting. We haven't had a, a striker like it in the Premier League quite yet. So, uh, well, since we got promoted back to it, so long may it continue for the both of them. Yeah, Jack. The the particularly the the increasing minutes of them together on the pitch at the same time. It's for most of their time here. It's been one or the other, just because I guess lack of options, particularly post the sale of Benteke, which is actually a long time ago now. But here we are. 
Um, given the kind of lack of wide options, do you prefer them as a two up front and maybe Roy going in a four, four, two, or do you think we kind of have to meld it and kind of it's Edward wide of Mateta and one other? Uh, I think it doesn't, uh, if you go back to the Wolves game, the last 15, 20 minutes against Wolves, it looked more to me like he's playing one behind the other. That was Edward starting deeper. And then, Mateta being that kind of base for, for Edward to play around. Um, but then you see the kind of play from Mateta that led to the goal on, on Saturday and, and he's, you know, harrying a centre-half on the, on the flank and playing a ball inside. So I, I don't really know what the plan is with either of them. I guess it probably depends on who we're playing. Um, the only thing we're playing them from the from the start, and they're both warranting minutes on the pitch, clearly, particularly Edward and, and Mateta, you know, certainly in, since the Plymouth game has, has looked a man... Reborn. The only thing by playing them both is that you are then removing any dynamic option from the bench. And that's, we go back again for the third time in this episode, go back to the lack of options on the bench. And you should never dictate your starting 11 by thinking about who's on the bench. But equally, do you want to be in a game where you basically played all your cards from the start? And I do wonder whether that's part of the thinking. And, and maybe France are coming into, um, or coming into the squad as an option, as, as Edmund talks about, that might give more license for Mateta and Odson, um, Odson Edward to start from, from the start of a game. But we'll see. You know, Fulham play a, a back four and it'll be interesting to see you know, how a, a, a two against that would, would play out. But I I wouldn't think they would be a two. I think there would be a, a kind of one off the other. Um, but maybe they maybe it's not a case of Edward off Mateta. Maybe it's a case of you know, the two of them being quite flexible with that approach. But both have stepped up massively to the plate since the start of the season. Um, and uh, it, it's pleasing, and, and you have to be quite grateful they have, because if they hadn't, then there'd probably be a bit more of a negative air around the place than there seems to be. Yeah. Do you know, it was it was really telling um, on the weekend. We had two keepers on the bench again, which, you know, that, that, that tells its own story. But uh, there was a kind of mild excitement of, oh, forgive me, I forgot his name now, I'm just trying to, check with one eye on my phone here. We had a young player that joined the first team in training. Uh, Zach, this young uh, Zach striker, Marsh. Zach, Zach Marsh. Marsh. And there was a kind of talk of maybe, it, does he replace, you know, John Kamani Gordon was getting on the bench prior to going on loan to Bradford. And there was a suggestion that maybe Zach Marsh is the one that steps up into that place. I, I thought it was quite telling that he was not, they'd rather put another keeper down than, than, just wait, I don't know, waste that spot on him. Um, yeah, playing them both at the start, that is that you cannot avoid that. There is no, there's no change of plan after that. Yeah. Even that, if it's kind of fresh legs, sometimes yeah. you need a bit more. You, you've played everything from the start. Is that Marshall interesting when he started the season like a train? Um, is that Mar- I think, was he getting from Watford, I think, which kind of it adds is, a, yeah, from uh, Watford. Yeah, yeah, adds a little bit more beauty to the situation, but. Really talented, and uh, there was a feeling that he was going to be included. And I think he may have actually, instead of playing for Palace, was actually playing for the 18s instead at the same time. So, right, you know that that kind of fell by the wayside. And, and I was advised of that. I was thinking, oh, he could you know, come on and get the famous last minute winner. But no, he was playing as Leicester under 18s. I think he said so. Um, but the club have high hopes for him. But again, that would that would be fairly desperate to, to do that. And it simply would be a case of filling the numbers. The, the, what I would say about the goalkeeper thing, I think. Villa also had two goalkeepers on the bench and I think right. a couple of other Premier League clubs did. 
I think there is just an issue, particularly after an international break, of filling nine spots on your bench, to be honest. I think practically speaking, it sometimes is more difficult. But it's the options that were on the bench for Palace. You know, take away one goalkeeper, take away the two goalkeepers, the seven options on the bench. It's not a huge amount there. And that's no. um that's the issue. But no, kudos to them. And you know, we'll talk about Odson, I'm sure, in, in three, two, one, but another goal for him, and he took it well. He took it really, really well. I know Martinez slips, but he puts it through the World Cup winning, Golden Glove winning keeper's legs and, and does it instinctively. <laughs> and a, a confident, as we say every week, confident Odson is a good Odson and, and that's what we need to continue. And you know, I hope against Fulham on Saturday we see another confident display from him and he can add to the tally even more. Yeah, I would, I would love to see that. Speaking of goalkeepers, our last question before we get into part three. Um, this comes from I Am Milky Joe. Mighty boost reference there. Yeah. Uh, he asked, do you think Roy would have taken off Sam Johnston? I thought the goalkeeper put himself before the team. Now, for those that didn't know, there was a kind of... Johnston put off some excellent saves in this game. Um, then has a slight injury. <laughs> Given the situation with Dean Henderson arriving, and, you know, it could have been a situation... Sam Johnston might be there thinking, well, if I go off now, I might not play again i've got to just play through that and then there was a suggestion that his performance kind of dropped to a level or two but I, I just because i don't know whether that was because he wasn't pulling off great saves after that or you know just it's, the narratives were being written do you do you think well firstly uh evan do you think a that Johnston should have gone off and then I guess the second question would be do you think that Roy had would have if if he was in the dugout instead of Paddy McCarthy uh, I do think Johnston could have come off it turns out he was suffering from cramp that was the the problem so I don't know whether it was it wasn't like a hamstring or something his leg hadn't completely fallen off but it, it definitely hindered his kicking and the ball that he lumped long ended up in the back of his net because Duran then finishes it off about six or seven passes later. So it's uh it's it's cost us, but at the same time you've got you've got someone who I think on the bench is going to be our future number one in the not too distant future. So it's uh it's it must be a horrible position for him to be in because I I thought on Saturday he probably had one of his best games in a Crystal Palace shirt. His just distribution before the injury was outstanding. Some excellent saves. He 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 pulled one off in the first half to to uh to save face for Joel Ward when he when he made that interesting back pass um so yeah but do I think Roy would have pulled him off probably not because Roy is incredibly loyal to his players and I think if the medical staff are saying to him it's just cramp yeah you're thinking that's probably going to go away in a, in a minute or two so it's not worth take changing risk and Johnson had been excellent before then but it must be it must be difficult for him to see someone like Dean Henderson come in and breathing down his neck very heavily because he is a very, very good goalkeeper. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens after United on the Tuesday night because if Dean Henderson's so good that he's undroppable, it's uh, it will be more than a selection headache, I think, for for Roy Hodgson. Yeah, psychologically, Jack, you think um, often a goalkeeper, starting goalkeeper, gets told, you're my number one, don't worry, da da da, da. don't worry about that bit, just go out there and, and do your thing. And I think Sam Johnston has been really great for us uh for the most part there was that weird penalty he gave away away at wolves at the back end of last year but this situation is it is quite surreal and 
if you're in his shoes, are you go? I guess no player is going to wave themselves off unless they're in immense pain. But I, it didn't. I, yeah, it just the situation. I think he loses either way. I mean, are we saying that if he'd gone off with injury and it was a cramp injury that he he loses his number one position? Is that what fans are suggesting? Is, is the case? Possibly, yeah. Right, okay. I mean, that would, that would be utterly brutal. That would be, be but... cold. I, 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 don't, I, don't... I don't know whether they would have known it was cramp. That was the thing. I guess if it's a longer term injury and that's why he doesn't want to go off, I think that's probably what. But yeah, but, it's, but he uh, himself would have known it's a cramp injury. He he would know yeah, himself yeah. that he's suffering and it, it's cramp. So, you know, he's a very experienced, he's played hundreds of league matches. He would know. The other thing we bring in a goalkeeper on is as talented as Dean Henderson is, you know, at that point of a match presents his own difficulties. You know, he has to then you know, ensure he's got clear communication with his centre halves. Um, so it's not as easy as just bringing a goalkeeper in to, you know, re- replace one another. That presents its own difficulties. But I mean, I, I would trust the club are managing the situation better so that Sam Johnson is knowing that, you know, he doesn't have to leave the pitch in a certain way to ensure he's got the gloves for the next week. And, you know, if we can trust anything with Roy and, and Ray, and I'm sure Paddy's learning this as well, there's a way of treating these people. They're, they are they are people as well as footballers and and they will be very... Um, aware of that and I'm sure they're treating Sam Johnson with the respect that, that he warrants and they're not suggesting to him that you know, you're going to lose the gloves any minute yeah. and and clearly the I, I agree with Edmund from what I've seen and, and what I heard it sounded like Sam Johnson had a very very good game on, on Saturday you know I know he conceded three but his distribution and I think his distribution has been excellent this season so far to be honest I think it's clearly I would say improved since last season when he came into the team and um I'm very comfortable with whichever one is number one. I suspect Edmund is right in that Dean Henderson will eventually get the gloves because we've bought out the the investment we have on him. Um, the, the problem with that signing, I think every Palace fan would agree that it's a good signing looking just at Dean Henderson. It's a good signing for the money that we've invested on the England international, someone who is rated so highly. I think the concern about that signing is only building because of news like the news about Michael Lise today. Nobody would care if we invested £50 million in a very good goalkeeper, given the situation that presented itself with Vicente, had we supplemented the squad elsewhere with other signings. Loan, freeze, whatever. But the fact that Michael Lise's recovery has been delayed by another four weeks, we don't know what the situation with France is. We're hopeful that he'll be here this week. But there are so many concerns about other parts of it. I think that has simply amplified... The, the discussion about the signing of Dean Henderson. But, you know, that signing assessment on its own is going to prove, I think, a very, very good signing. Whatever happens with Sam Johnston moving forward is kind of a separate bit. The signing of Dean Henderson on its own is a very good piece of business. I think it will prove to be a very good piece of business. will look, as the years go by, an increasingly good piece of business. But right now, for a lot of Palace fans, it doesn't look like that good piece of business because of the pressure elsewhere in the squad. Yeah, it's, it's funny... I can't remember which one of you was that mentioned that he'll probably probably play at Old Trafford, funnily enough, against his former club on Tuesday. That game is looking more and more intriguing, just in terms of if well, if France is fit possibly to get some minutes in that game, but also Jez, Rob Holding may get a start in that game. Um, you know, it, it's it's I've, that, I've, that game is. I'm so curious about how that will play out, but also quite excited because there's and Joe, a lot of where, unknown quantities in it. Where, where can you watch that game next Tuesday? I've heard at your local Green King Sport pub. <laughs> I can't remember where it's from, but someone told Field. me that. 
J- JD very happy right now. There you go. <laughs> right. Thanks for your question. There were a ton more. I couldn't go through them all. Lots of them were explicit about Darren England. So thank, <laughs> thank okay. you. Thank you for tweeting us. Though. Before we come to end, can we quickly just mention Mark Gay's appearance on Football Focus? We can do. Yes. Uh, Ebbs and Mark together interviewed in this kind of just a casual light light puff piece and uh, asked about their dream dinner guests and Mark led on it. I think, I think Ebbs was so taken aback. He kind of went, I can't top that. I think that were, that were his actual <laughs> words. Mark said, Dave Chappelle, the very good, but controversial comedian, Jesus Christ, our Lord and savior and Jose Mourinho. And he said it in that order. And Amazing. I was, <laughs> Yeah, my, I mean, I would, I would love to see it, but uh, just, just, just the mad. Well, like, it's not as mad as Damien Delaney's. Like, do you uh, remember that? That's what I was going to compare it to. I think we should maybe uh, see if we can get the group together, possibly at some point. But um, yeah, that that was quite the answer, and I think you're right. I don't think the uh, the, the presenter or Ebony Shazza could really add anything to to that. Um, you know, I know Mark Gay is a, a man of God and. And that, but yeah, that that was fantastic. Like, and, and the idea that Jose Mourinho would would not be the special one at a dinner party is just quite fantastic. To so. Would would he seed on that in the room though? Well, it's possibly not. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah, that makes that all the more enjoyable. And then you have just um, got a really excited Mark Mark Gay at the end of the table, just being like, <laughs> oh, so fantastic. Dave right. Chappelle just not really knowing what to say, but saying. Thing. Yeah. I think JD does want to do the uh, the Palace dinner party episode at some point, so we won't stray into that territory right now. But I thought we'd mention it, given a bit of light relief, given the uh, given the results. I don't know. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, right, join us again in part three on the other side of this. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast, sponsored mm. by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Sorry, Jack, I just took you out of your hey, way there. No, it's all good. I was, I'm, I'm doing it for you, so it's all good. If you're happy about one, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy. No, we're just racing through here because it's time for three, two, one. If you're new to this segment, each of us bring forward someone or something that we feel deserves a celebration or salute from the previous week, and uh, award them free two or one point respectively jd promises he's telling these up but i haven't seen any evidence of this in recent weeks since its inception uh i trust you though jd i'm sure you are doing that um jack you're uh quite a veteran by 3 one standards of this game so just to let edmund get up to speed uh i'll turn to you first who are you putting forward or what are you putting forward for i in, as you you referenced this earlier, Joe, despite a three-one win, there have been YouTube compilations about how good Chet Decore was on on Saturday, and I'm, I'm, you know, he looked great in the in the coverage. I, I kind of want to just again defer to Evan to kind of wax lyrical about what he looked like in the site, um, but he he just looked like the complete number six, to be honest, in in what I saw of the game, um, and is I think improving upon his displays towards the end of last season, which is really, really good. Um, it does just increase the fear that he's not going to be with us for a particularly long time. But with performances like Saturday's, he is at least you know, 
bolstering his his transfer value for us. But I, I thought he was excellent from from everything I've seen. And um, yeah, you, you don't get compilations of performance in a three-one defeat unless you've been particularly good. So I'll, I'll put Trek Decore this this uh, forward this week for me. Okay, I I totally understand that one, Evans. How did you see Czech's the performance before we get your pick? Uh, he was outstanding. Uh, I think one of the greatest things that we've kind of witnessed since since Roy, Roy returned was the maturity that Czech Decore is playing with week in week out. Uh, he should have been booked actually on Saturday. I, I will say that for one of his challenges, but every other challenge was executed perfectly. I mean, there were ones where Villa could have broken towards our goal when we were in their half and he's just one possession back and we've got another chance. It's, uh, yeah, he's, he was excellent. And he didn't look phased without Jefferson Lerma alongside him, who's been outstanding as well since he's come in. Will Hughes slotted in and it was it was almost seamless for him. Um, I mean, he's 23, I think. Check the core. He's, uh <laughs> seems to be growing better and better via every performance and... Yeah, I can't imagine he'll be around much more after after the end of the season, unfortunately, because he's uh, in the modern day market. When you see what defensive midfielders are going for, number sixes, it's uh, it's crazy. And he's um, yeah, he's been he's been absolutely outstanding. And he was on Saturday. There's a there's a thing we've forgotten about Shet Decore, or or maybe just has been head in the sand about Afcon. It's not yeah. far away. And uh, it's it's creeping up on us, particularly. Yeah. <laughs> he's obviously. Well, I think it's a measure of the man that he was probably going to be Player of the Year last season, prior to Roy coming in, and then has so evidently kicked on since Roy's come in. He's just outstanding. But so between him and then Jordan Ayew potentially being away, who both have started incredibly. I know that's a couple of months away, and there's a window in between there. To, but oh, that puts the shivers up me already. Marley, um, do they? Qualify they did, last they, week. Is that they, is that all done? I believe yeah. they did qualify. So yes, and I can imagine he's. I've not watched them. I'll be honest, but I can imagine he's a quite must be a talismanic figure in that side. It's not. They're not the most uh, the high profile outfit on that continent. Um, he will. He will be a massive miss. He's a miss. You know, with when we have not had him in the team, but um, yeah, the way he's playing at the moment, and and as Edmund says, to play as well as he did without. Um, uh, Jefferson Lerma, who he's you know been absolutely excellent with, um, it was quite reassuring actually to see that he, he he didn't drop with that. But that midfield, the Marley midfield of, of him and Eve Basuma might be um, pretty good, which makes you worry they're going to be in the tournament for maybe longer than we probably want them to be as well. <laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully not. Sorry, Shep. Ho- hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully you go out in disgraceful circumstances in the group stage. Yeah, second second game where they even rest you for the last group game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get on the plane, get home. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Edmund, do you have a pick? Uh, for who would you put forward for three, two, one? I can't imagine he's going to be put forward a, a huge amount this season. But I actually thought Will Hughes was very, very good on on Saturday. I think he won six of his, of his eight tackles. I was having a look back at the stats. So. On Monday morning, he broke up the play really well. That's his first 90 minutes of the season after the bad challenge he got against Milaneros in in preseason. And uh, yeah, I thought he was excellent. I mean, he's he's never going to set the world alight, is he? He's not going to win us a uh, three points with with a goal uh, bursting run or or something along like that. But what he does do, and when he does it well, he's very effective at it. And you can see why why Rory likes him. 
Um, and yeah, as we mentioned, he came in alongside Czech Decore and and uh, and complimented him really well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give Will Hughes a nod this this week for his performance on Saturday. I like that, Jack. What in terms of Will Hughes' prospects at Palace? I think it didn't quite happen for him under Vieira. I know there was an injury in, during that time as well, particularly I think right at the start as well as he mm. came in. If you're him, what's your what's your ambitions at Palace? Do you think is is it getting ahead of a schlup as the kind of immediate midfield cover when everyone's fit? Because obviously Lerma and Decore, what's going on there is, you know, that's as best as we've probably seen at Palace for in a many a year. But then again, we've just only a couple of minutes ago said how long is Decore going to be around for? Is there is there a realistic place for Will Hughes to kind of think, oh, don't worry about, you know, there's a future with me that I've got more minutes later on in this season or life after one of these players? I think for Will Hughes, given his injury record throughout his career, it's probably to be available in the right. short term. You know, be available and get those 20, 30-minute appearances when, when he's needed them. Um, or sorry, when he's needed for them. Um, but I couldn't believe he played you know, what effectively was 105 minutes on on Saturday. As, as Evan says, he's not kicked a ball competitively since the Millenarios fixture when he got shocking challenge in that game. So to see him play the whole game, you know, whether or not in an ideal situation he does play that many minutes, um, who knows? But we were a bit light in terms of options there, particularly when you're trying to see out a, a, a one-goal lead. But yeah, really pleased that Evan's mentioning because he was right on the top of my list as well behind, behind Chet Decor. I thought, that was um, a very, very good appearance from Will Hughes. And I have no issue when Will Hughes comes into the team. I think he's he's consummate. He's very tidy on the ball. Loves to put his foot in. Um, so I, I like Will Hughes. I think he's a wonderful squad option. And, and your question there just made me think as to where he's at with his contract. Um, I, I dare say he was kind of bought in that summer with everyone else, but maybe not one of those signed to a five-year contract. So um, I wonder whether it's a three-year or a four-year. If it's a three-year... Think- be coming to an end. Edmund, any idea on that one? I think his contract expires in 2026. Oh, okay. So maybe off he was the top a, of my head. Maybe in that case he was a Let me double contract. check. Have a look. But yeah, I, I think he's a wonderful um kind of option to have and um you know not to define him as a Roy Hodgson kind of player, but you can imagine Roy likes what he sees from Will Hughes and knows what he's going to get from Will Hughes. And if we know anything about Roy, he likes players that he knows what he's going to get out. So um yeah, pleased to have him back, and it's much needed given the, uh, the gaps we've talked about elsewhere. So pleased for Will Hughes, and um, yeah, would agree with Edmund that he had a, a very good game on Saturday. Well done, Will Hughes. Ignore, ignore, ignore me. It's twenty twenty four, so it's, oh, okay. it's at the end of the season. Of- uh, sirens, more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, thanks. You calm me down, Edmund, and now I'm trying to panic about <laughs> European giants coming <laughs> from in January. So uh, yeah. You, I mean, that, he will get if he if he's available. He'll, he'll, right. he'll get minutes in. Uh, he'll, he'll get minutes in January. January. Yeah, hundred percent, definitely. Um, and uh, Old Trafford on Tuesday, which you can watch at uh, Green King Sport Pub. <laughs> um, my suggestion for three, two, one. We kind of hinted at it earlier. I'll throw Watson Edward in there because it's just nice to have a, a striker on a hot streak. It's been a while, and I think got to applaud it. Got to. You know, it's 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 nice to you know, he's not he doesn't have to necessarily be taking every chance he's going to get, but he's kind of I, I don't know if you've seen some of the kind of figures being thrown around. He's taking more shots. He's having more accurate shots, and and as obviously he's scoring a lot more goals. So 
we're already very close, if not already. We're very close to his tal- season tally from last season already. And was his ta- was it was that six? I think it, it was all comps as well. It wasn't like a a great amount. Just pull it up, actually. Or this might make terrible podcasting. Actually, if I just. <laughs> Just like dead silence while I went. I think uh, I, I I think it's great to have a player with that that you know oh six in twenty twenty one twenty one twenty two five uh, twenty two twenty three and then four so far this season so you know, nice pattern but the good thing is only played five games so far this season so yeah, yeah really yeah. pleasing I, I just thought it was a really lovely finish actually and I I, I thought he from you know, a difficult first half. Um, he showed some nice touches. Again, he's just one of those players maybe you want to do a bit more at times, but he's impacting games. And that's the criticism that a lot of Palace fans had of him last year, that he just did not impact games enough. He's impacting games in the way that we need him to by actually adding to the score sheet. So, yeah, nor may that continue. Yeah, it's, it's helping keep us where we are in, in the table. For all this kind of chat we've had today about depth and really kind of being stretched for options, we're not we're not looking over our shoulder already. We're not in that kind of Everton zone or the being like, it's all, everything's on fire. We're, we've still got a threat at the other end that is keeping us in kind of in the mixer where we kind of should be in the league. And Ed Ossinefwa's form is a big part of that. So yeah, a nice nod to him and uh, long may it continue. Uh, hopefully, hopefully not crazy enough that we have to be holding any, Keeping keeping attention away in January. Could you imagine that? And it will just ah. anyway. So that is Odson Edward, Will Hughes, and Shet the Core as our three two one picks. Who do we feel there's an obvious first place here who gets the full three points? Did any of the other two have a YouTube compilation completed after their performance? They did not. No, I think the argument against it is Core yeah, is quite low. Check the Core. Yeah. yeah. So it's three points to check the core rate. I can't remember if that's it. Again, we'll, we'll defer to JD's. Uh, this is Schrodinger's cat is JD's spreadsheet, whether it ex- exists or not. Um, but yeah, then that leaves. Would you give Will? I, I'm willing to to back away, even though I put Odson Edward there. I feel like Will Hughes for the two points rather than the one, just because as Edmund hinted at, you're not going to get many opportunities for Will Hughes to be in this conversation <laughs> this season. And I feel like give him a little bit of amplification. He, and he actually, more importantly, I think he deserved it. Yeah, he, he, I think that's fair. Um, there's a lot of listeners probably thinking it's unfair for Odson to not be given to, but I, let's give it to Will. Let's give it to Will. Yeah. Just to make JD's life a bit harder, just, add, just add, <laughs> yeah. have to add another, add another name. Row. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there we go. Three points to Chet Decore, two to Will Hughes, and one to Odson Edwards. That's three, two, one for this week. Let's jump into not another part. I think let's just keep it rolling. So at the time of recording, Palace under-21s are at Wickham and are away there in the EFL Trophy. It is currently nil-nil. Oh, no, it is now one-nil. Wickham have scored a 92nd-minute penalty. Oh, Joe, what have you done? I'm so sorry. Um, The the important things, I guess, to note for people, Joe Whitworth started... David Ozo fit again, his first start, I believe, of the season. He was subbed at half-time. So I, I guess despite the competition, I think these games are still used as um, minutes for players. And uh, so Malcolm Abue started, as did uh, Rashawn Maturin, the infamous trialist B. But they <laughs> all kind of subbed in the second half. 
Um, so yeah, that that's happened, and I'm sorry that I almost feel like a responsibility for for that happening, even though. Particularly as uh, particularly as Joe Whitworth saved the initial penalty by the looks of it as well. So, oh, bless yeah, him. shame had to be retaken. Darren, Darren England clearly not refereeing. No, indeed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this is a Wickham side that like Sam Vokes is playing, um, and yeah, you know, I, I do think this it's been quite frowned upon this reformatting of the EFL Trophy. I think on a pure footballing level, it, it, I kind of understand. I can't imagine Wickham fans are very excited about going to these games against under-21s. But from a Palace perspective and these, you know, blooding these youngsters, you know, Eze's brother played as well. Seeing yeah. them against kind of senior men's football, it's, it is it is still very useful for us, and which is why I thought it was worth a mention. Um, just but, on that, just kind of lower league stuff, just well, I, I, we could go into the... On the merits of the EFL trophy being repurposed for this, and and Edmund sees a lot more kind of um, league one and two football that, than I do, but probably worth asking um, or just raising the fact that a couple of players had decent weekends in in the football league. So Kofi Barmer made his debut for Port Vale, and I know there's high hopes from the club about that loan spell at Port Vale for for him. Um, but the one that's uh, Luke Lange got his first goal for Carlisle, I think, in this loan spell. But the one who is doing really well so far is Owen Goodman. Colchester with Ben Garner that is a loan spell that's already looking fairly positive and, and I guess the expectation would be that Owen Goodman comes back at the end of this season with maybe another loan lined up for next year in a higher division Edmund would that be probably the plan? Yeah you'd assume so wouldn't you it's uh Palace are incredibly well stocked in the goalkeeper department it's, fr- it's frightening really when you think about it I mean last year we were talking about it being the the best ever and they've just taken it to another level this year um yeah Owen Goodman's done particularly well out at Colchester I watched him in the game against Wimbledon the other week and although they lost he looked very composed and I, I worried for him actually because Colchester signed two other goalkeepers during the summer window and I thought maybe he's not quite stood out as what they were hoping for but he's had been handed the number one shirt and he's just kicked on game after game he seems to be getting uh, better by better uh, with every performance um 19 years old, starting in League Two. It's a difficult league. The the elbows he must be getting at every corner, the players standing on his toes. I've seen one of the Wimbledon strikers showed me his leg once and it was battered and bruised from all, all the way up through it. So it's a fantastic learning playground for him to, to make mistakes if he is going to do it and for him to, to kick on. I assume if he keeps up with this trajectory, you're looking at a a League One loan loan in the uh, in the higher echelons of that next season, and uh, it would be well deserved too. Yeah, I feel I feel for Joe Whitworth, who's probably seeing the progress that Goodman's making yes. and thinking, yeah. I, sh- I probably should be having a similar experience somewhere else. But you know, one one of many things that is kind of a shame from the window. But I think um, it, did, did Selzy indicate there's hope that that could be maybe picked up again in January? I think so. From from one of those post match pods, I know that there was an, there was also talk of trying to rescue a possible loan overseas for those windows that were later to close elsewhere. But I guess that didn't materialise. So yeah, it looks like I, I imagine a January move for for Whitworth. But yeah, all praise to to Owen Goodman there. But sorry to take focus away from him in that moment. No, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's an important point. Uh, it, you're right. Yeah, Joe Joe should be out on loan. It's. Uh... It's, it's yeah. I, I don't know why he's, he's still playing under twenty one football after after last season. I don't get it personally. I understand that the club are probably worried about bringing another goalkeeper in, what that might do to the dynamic. But 
Joe Whitworth. Joe Whitworth should be out there playing men's football consistently after what he did last season for us, stepping in and performing admirably in those two those two Premier League games. Yeah, there's no kind of bigger advertisement, really, is there? I, I can't imagine there are many. I know there's under twenty the 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 league system. There's kind of room for senior overage players to go into the side, and I imagine you get a fair few goalkeepers in that. But there can't be many in that league of age appropriate who are actually have senior Premier League appearances as a goalkeeper. He must be in a very kind of rare sort of small class. So you'd like to think that that would enable him. A, a, a decent loan in January so fingers crossed um, but yeah that was the game that's going on at the time of recording on Tuesday but let's look forward uh, to the weekend Palace are being visited by Fulham on Saturday 3 o'clock Sellers Park Fulham who are right next to us in the table they're 10th we're 9th they had a kind of unconvincing win against Luton on the weekend um, just gone uh, a different proposition Jack to the Fulham we've had recently, they've still kept some of the play, you know, Jao Palin is still there, but mm. Mitrovic going is hard to kind of look past among, among a few, you know, they, they had, didn't have the, uh, the best of summers. No, uh, shrouded in on a rumor about Mitrovic throughout the summer. And then that eventually uh, came to fruition, his move to, to Saudi Arabia. And also Marco Silva was linked with the move um, for much of the summer. And then the summer ended with Jao Palin, um, being, I think, a signature away for signing for, for Bayern Munich. So, you know, I'm sure Fulham fans more than most were happy when the transfer window actually shut. They've started the season actually better than I, I thought they would. They, they've picked up more wins um, than I think a lot of fans of, of their own. I know a couple of Fulham fans, and they were concerned as to how the, the transfer window would impact their start to the season. But, you know, one at Goodison and they've beaten Fulham, at, sorry, beaten Luton at home. And that's probably the bare minimum they really needed to do to make sure they weren't being put up at the bottom of the league in the... Um, early phase of the season. So they'll be pleased with that. Um, I am hopeful ahead of Saturday. I, I, you know, I think um, I don't think Fulham will be the force they were last season. That's not to say they're not going to be a, um, a difficult opponent, but I, I think without Mitrovic, they perhaps don't have that that kind of figurehead that the that served them so well. And I know Vinicius scored the winner on Saturday, but I think he came off the bench to do so. So um, I'm not familiar actually who started up front for them the other day. I know Simon Raul Jimenez for... Yeah. Is that who started up top for them? Yeah, it was. I think it was Jimenez, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I'm probably going to lead to me apologising next week <laughs> if I'm on that he scores this. But, you know, sadly, he's not looked the player that he was since that horrific injury. Um, Fulham seemed to have taken a bit of a gamble on him and, and it'd be interesting to see if that pays off for them. There's clearly a, a player there, but, you know, that injury was, was horrendous and you don't you know, wish to kind of... Uh, consider the impact that that would have had on a player's confidence and ability to kind of play at the highest level. But um, he, he may well provide a difficulty throughout set of on Saturday. But I'm, I'm hopeful that we can give them a game and provided there's no more injuries, provided that Jefferson Lerma and Mark Gay can come back into the team, provided that Matthias Franzer is perhaps an option from the bench, um, then I'm hopeful we'll, we'll get something from this game. But type of game that we need to, really, I, I think if... We have anywhere near the repeat of last season's fixture. I think um, I might be sticking off Palace Twitter for the afternoon on Saturday. Oh, that was yeah. That was probably that was an idea of the Vieira era, wasn't it? I mean, there were a couple of really low lows in that quite largely quite a great time. You know, the, I think the the Goodison defeat was one that always burns in my mind. But mm. um, Fulham at home was probably the worst sellers performance we had. Boxing Day. Yeah, that was a, a sickener. Um, 
But looking at the Fulham this season, I was just kind of looking at some of the rest of the results. You t- you hinted at them there, Jack. Um, it drew 2-2 at Arsenal with 10 men. Um, but then equally, the, the week before, 10 men at home got beat 3-0 by Brentford. They're, oh, they're, by Brentford, yeah. Yeah, they're intriguing, strange side. Um, I guess, Eben, do you think, despite all the kind of concerns Palace have about depth and, and whether people, you know, some of the people that missed the Villa game will be fit in time for this Fulham fixture, is it still a game that we need to be looking at as Palace and think, this this is where we have to get three points? Is that it is, it is already that kind of game, right? I think if you're setting out your target at the start of the season to, to finish in the top half of the Premier League, yeah, these are the teams that you want to be beating. Um, I don't know, as we mentioned, I don't think Fulham and the force that they were last season, that the goals that they've lost with Mitrovic is uh, is pretty hard to replace in his division as we found. It's not easy to find a goal scorer and we're lucky our two up front are, are in some rich vein of form goal contribution wise at the moment. Um but if you're looking at if you're looking at Saturday, I think I think we'll have a, enough to beat them. It's but it's the problem that we're gonna find throughout the season. We've got enough to beat the sides who I think are gonna finish below us. But if we're gonna finish twelfth, you know, we're not gonna beat Villa because they've got the, the squad depth, they've got the talent that they can bring on and change a game with one or two substitutions. Um Fulham don't look like they they were last season and that's uh, that is the problem. So I think we'll have enough on, on Saturday. Um be interesting to see what team lineup is. It'd be interesting to see if there's any changes to it, whether Roy goes with, with Odson and Mateta up top, because they they pretty much played the entire game on, on Saturday together alongside each other. So you get a good sort of gauge of, of what they're like as a as a partnership in a Premier League outing. So I th- think there could be a few changes and then it, fingers crossed like some Mark Gahey and Jefferson Lamb are available for selection because yeah, they're two two key cogs to what we've done at the start of the season. I guess we don't know for sure about their availability probably till probably what Friday press conference. Um yeah. from what from what the chat was sort of the Friday just gone, was there was there no indication really given of the extent of those injuries? Gahey sounded more like if it if we were playing on the Monday night there was a slight chance he could have played sort of thing it was more like if we'd had five to seven days to get him back to fitness instead of the one or two then we're looking at we might be able to play with him here but I'd have no qualms about starting Chris Richards again in against Fulham if, if we needed to um the, the the more sort of pressing one is making sure that I was was just a dead leg um because if it isn't, I'd like to see Ratsaki given a go because if you're not going to start him against Arsenal's or the, the bigger teams, then Fulham's a great opportunity to see what he can do in this division and uh, not sending him out on loan was, was a waste of a six months for him. So you need to give him an opportunity every now and then to see to see what he can do. Would you concur with that, Jack, in terms of uh, if, if, if IU isn't ready to start on, on Saturday, is Ratsaki where you go to? I know we kind of mentioned earlier Hamada might end up being just because that might be the safer option with Roy, but would you rather rather see Raksaki get that opportunity? Probably Bedman entirely there. If you're not if you've got him and you've got no other options, then Fulham at home strikes me as a fairly inoffensive fix to chuck him in at um in for. So yeah, by all means. But like, I, I think the, the prognosis for, for Jordan Ayu was dead leg. And mm. the, the hope is that he's probably back training by um, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and, and he's able to to play at that type of injury. Um, would normally be kind of looked after after a few days, but 
bloody hurts. Um, mm. But he'll be he'll be back hopefully for it. And you, know, you then see probably Jeffrey Schlupp on the left hand side and and Edward through the middle and and Ed's back into the midfield three with hopefully you know, as, as much as we just talked positively about Will Hughes. Hopefully Jefferson Lerma coming back into the team because he's started the season so well. But um, yeah, I, I, I agree with Edmund about Chris Richards, but I did something about Mark Gay. I just think getting him back, I, I think he actually might make Jerkham Anderson a little bit more of a confident player. I think Jerkham Anderson's had such a good start to the season. His ability to kind of contribute to our kind of forward play so far um, would probably help us on Saturday. So I'm, I'm hopeful that Mark Gay could be back so and that we're as a full strength as, as we possibly can be. Yeah. And yeah, I, I kind of foresee this one personally being a bit similar to the Wolves fixture. That it's that similar kind of mid mid table kind of slug out. And I think even with some options short, I feel like we've got enough, we've got enough in our team to 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 do something to make a difference. And I just, you know, if if it is that kind of second half elevation that 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 kind of Mateta spark brought uh against Wolves I'm I, I don't see a reason why we can't see that again you know um but yeah that's Saturday three o'clock Sellers Park and Roy will be back in the dugout as well which is again uh something's felt bigger than football than the weekend I, I I actually quite I don't know if it's the right word I quite enjoyed the sentiment over the weekend like the concern there was no kind of silly jokes there was no People go, you know, there were a lot of people who were concerned of Roy's age when he took the came back for the job. And I think that would have been the perfect opportunity when the news broke that someone would go, see, I told you this is, you know, this is exactly what was the problem I was always worried about. I didn't see any of that. And I just felt actually it was just a nice moment where football just kind of held its breath for a bit and just showed actually it could be quite classy. I don't know if you saw it differently, but. Ah, I, I think it. the response is kind of just summed up respect that the game has for the man like, mm. there's just a lot of respect and love for him and, and making sure that he's all right was the most important thing really for a lot of people particularly you know, neutral onlookers just making sure that, that Roy's okay you know Roy's health aside what I did notice that Ray Lewington looked a bit of a man lost on on Saturday I, I think he missed his mate um, and you can see why they're very much the partnership that, they, that they've become and um, you know we've talked about Ray's role with Paddy McCarthy being there and you know, possibly Ray would have felt a bit lost without Roy there. Um, so um, I'm sure he, more than anyone else, is pleased that, that Roy is well and, and back at the training ground as of today. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing Roy. I'm sure he'll get an absolutely rapturous uh, welcome when he uh, when he comes out the tunnel on Saturday at 2.58. 100%. Uh, if you are going to sell us, we'll see you there. Otherwise, um, there's the post-match pod for patrons with uh, Selzy, Rob, and maybe some others. I don't actually know the lineup. I've just totally speculated there. But you know, they're the usual suspects. <laughs> Rob, Rob now has to do it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Rob. Sorry, Rob. That's all your plans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then there is the uh, regular FYP pod a few days after that. So um, yeah, yeah, just um, I wonder whether we'll maybe do that next week after after United the League Cup game. Yeah. Yeah, the first yeah. one. Yeah. And where and where can you see that again, Jack? Where's it you said? Um, any, uh, I'm not uh, when I'm not hosting, I, I don't have the script in front of me, Joe. Green, Green script, King Sports script, Club, script, script, <laughs> are you talking about? Um, ever the, ever the pros, <laughs> Green King Sports venues, yes, okay. Um, so yeah, we'll be a lot to catch up on by the time we are back on, on the main feed. So, uh, yeah, until then, 
Have an amazing weekend, and hopefully a, a Palace win to supplement that. Thank you for joining us on episode 490 of Five Year Plan Podcast. Thank you for joining me, Jack. Thank you for joining me, Edmund. And uh, yeah, see you again in a few days. Thanks very much. Podcast Network.